We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me, he's got the Washington Wizards notifications in uh, his hand right now. Fachi, what's going on? Oh, man. Wow. What do you even say to that? Uh, <laughs> other than absolutely false. Alex, absolutely it, false. It's Monday, and I'm ready to talk some Pacer basketball, good or bad. You can bet that I will always be here to back the boys up. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm just giving Fachi a hard time. I was laughing whenever he had the NBA notifications on and the Bradley Beal news broke. And I just, I, you know, I just got to mess with you, man. And we were then, on topic at the time. You know, we were talking about the wizard schedule. It was relevant. I, I know. Did. And I was laughing because literally everybody like that heard that, that likes to mess with us was cracking up at that. So, oh, yeah. you know, that that's, that's our little shtick and we've kind of gotten mm-hmm. away from it, but the Pacers had a pretty pitiful weekend in terms of performance. 
I guess aside from Jordan Moore, right? But yeah. losing 120 to 95 Friday night against the Boston Celtics on the road. Then they had a very tough back-to-back, which we predicted would be a loss. 143 to 130 against the Atlanta Hawks. Fachi, two losses here. I think everybody, for the majority of the fan base, is happy that we lost these games because their team tanked. But just talk me through this a little bit. You know, these two games, anything stick out to you? Well, against Boston, I was happy to see that Tyrese Halliburton returned. Yeah. It was great. It was great to see Halliburton back out there. As for the actual game, it, it was pretty tough. I mean, obviously the Pacers lost by 25. We touched on that, but just a lot of a lot of struggles. I mean, one of the big takeaways, I would say, is Benedict Matherin moving into the starting lineup and Buddy Hill going to the bench, a move that we did not think that we would see this year, but it has officially happened. What was your initial reaction to that? I honestly never thought we would see it, Fosh. I didn't think I'm so. Not, I'm not going to lie to you because we had been talking about it for so long, and pretty much any time I'm excited about something, you know, it doesn't usually happen. So, <laughs> but the Pacers decided, hey, you know what? We're going to see what this looks like. Ben Matherin's going into the starting lineup for Buddy Heald when Tyrese came back. Buddy making his first appearance off the bench in Boston, and then and against Atlanta, he stayed in that role off the bench, and they asked Rick Carlisle about it. After after the game was over, and basically he just said, we've talked about lineup flexibility to, to see what we have for a while now. Buddy's been one of the guys that really hasn't been in and out of the lineup. And so, you know, now it's his turn to, to take a backseat a little bit and see what they got with Ben. So interestingly enough, the 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 five-man lineup of Miles Turner, Andrew Nimhard, Tyrese Halliburton, Aaron Neesmith, and Ben Matherin played 15 minutes together in that Celtics game. A 94.1 offensive rating, Fachi, which is very low, and a defensive rating of 142.9. This defense was atrocious during this game. A minus 48.7 net rating. It's the Boston Celtics against the tanking Pacers team. I mean, you got to put it th- put it in perspective, but that five-man lineup did not look that great out there on Friday night. No, it did not. And look, the, the net rating couldn't have been much worse. And the rough part is, is we've been asking to see this starting lineup. Like this five together, we've been waiting for it. And this is definitely not what we wanted to see, you know, basically of how it played out. But Boston, a very, very good team. And the Pacers have played Boston extremely well in the previous two games. So they were probably due to come back to reality a bit more. And this one was in Boston. And uh, it, it was a forgettable one. It was great to see Halliburton back. But, you know, still looked a little bit rusty. He had five turnovers. And, you know, a less than two-to-one assist ratio is not like Halliburton. No. And also for Matherin, this is where you can get the sense that by coming off the bench, you do get to observe a lot and know where to attack and kind of what, you know, some adjustments to make. This is probably Matherin's, I mean, definitely his lowest scoring to- uh, total of the season, just two points on one of four shooting. So his like the new what felt like the Matherin era is upon us. It, it didn't get off to the best start, but you know, we gotta stick with him and know that hey, he is the future. So this is where he's gotta be. Yeah, he took just four shots in that game, Fachi, like you said, and he just took four shots against the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's kind of crazy, but he was if you look at the the starting five in both games, least amount of shot attempts in that starting yeah. lineup. Was ball's, not, ball's not going to be in his hand as much. And 
you know, this is probably why Rick Carlisle at the beginning of the year was like, this is why we're going to bring Matherin off the bench because we want to get him as many reps as we can, let him kind of run the second unit while Tyrese runs the first unit. And, you know, one thing that Buddy Hill does so well, we talked with Caitlin about this, is he just finds the open spot to go to in the offense to, to get open looks, right? And that's not Matherin's thing. Like, he's not the same level of shooter as Buddy, yeah. obviously. Totally different players. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But I do want to bring up another five-man lineup here, Fachi, because Miles Turner did not play in the game against the Atlanta Hawks. He was out with that lower back injury, injury management. Uh, we want to make sure that he really monitors that because – it's been pretty serious, but in nine minutes of play, which is not a lot, obviously, very small sample size, but for that game against the Hawks, 147.1 offensive rating, 127.8 defensive rating for a positive of 19.3 net rating with the starting five with Isaiah Jackson in there instead of Miles Turner. Now, obviously, like we said earlier, Hawks are a much different level of team than the Boston Celtics. You got to put that into consideration, but I thought that was at least somewhat interesting that for nine minutes, they had a 19.3 positive net rating. Hey, we'll take whatever advantage that we can get. Even if it's just a nine-minute sample size, there's definitely been a lot to like from Isaiah Jackson at times, maybe not consistently, but um, you know, that, that's that's definitely the one positive in, in a time like that. And we'll touch on Jordan Awar soon. But one other thing that I mentioned about for Matherin before I close off that point, this was just the second time all season that he went back-to-back -back games without a free-throw appearance. Mm. So you could see, I mean, maybe it's a difference of when he's watching the game, he's knowing where to attack and to, to come in there and be immediately aggressive. And I don't know whatever it is, but it kind of disrupted his flow, I guess, of being in that starting lineup. And to not see him even attempt a free-throw, I mean, against the Hawks, the Pacers starting lineup only combined for three free-throws. That was Ty uh, Tyrese Halliburton, so... That, that was obviously pretty tough in a game where the Hawks, you know, doubled the Pacers' free throws. But, uh, man, I mean, th there's there's some stuff to like, but there's a lot to dislike over that two-game stretch. Yeah, I think the one thing they're going to have to figure out is how to get Matherin more touches within the offense. Yes. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to see this. And when you have two ball handlers out there playing next to each other, Halliburton and Nimhard that's going to take up a lot of your shots for your guys like Ben Matherin. And of course, we know Miles Turner, he's someone that needs to look for his offense as well. I think that kind of gets him going on both sides of the floor, Fletch, once he feels like he's engaged, because we've heard Miles talk about his frustrations in previous years where he felt like he wasn't involved. So Halliburton, mm -hmm. you know, he's he's told Ben, and he said it publicly on podcast, you got to let me know when you need the basketball more. Yep. And we know that Ben Matherin has been asked, to do different things, you know, the last couple of months throughout the season because, you know, Rick Carlisle is trying to see Ben Matherin grow. Like, we talked about how he got benched against Miami that one game. He didn't play hardly any minutes, and it was kind of like, what is going on here? It was like two games in a row he didn't play a lot, Botch. Yep. And we were trying to figure it out, and it's like, look, he's got to be more than a scorer. And I think we've seen some development from him throughout the year in that yeah. regard, but – it is taking a little bit of a dip on his numbers because he's not actively looking for a shot as much. But there was still, like, when he came back, he was shooting the ball pretty well from that ankle injury. So mm -hmm. I personally think you just got to give him some time to adjust. It's only two games, small sample size, very difficult back-to-back. -back. Probably still dealing with a little bit of ankle pain, I would assume. I would think so. So I'm not going to, like, write home, like, this is a terrible idea. But the big thing here is you want to see what the Halliburton-Mather numbers are 
Through two games, Fachi, they logged 38 minutes, 108.5 offensive rating, a 131.4 defensive rating for a minus 22.9 net rating, um, a pace of 105.64, which is pretty similar to the to the rest of the uh, the lineups, the two man lineups they had here, Fach, that I'm looking at. Some were a little bit higher. That's your uh, Jordan Moore, Isaiah Jackson groups there, but the for the most part played a, a a very relative comparative level of pace that they're used to playing. So nothing outlandish there, but you know, just got to see a little bit more. I, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to see this lineup, but put out there, both Halliburton and Matherin are, are healthy and able to play, but you know, I, I'm not going to freak out yet. I just think we need a larger sample size. Um, now that we know this is kind of the focus. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I'm not going to freak out. I mean, Matherin, his four field goal attempts against the Hawks were the fewest on the team outside of Chris Duarte, who returned for five minutes and and then was out. That ankle injury still, I don't know if we're going to see him for the rest of the year. I've said it before, but clearly he was not ready to really come back. And, and that ankle, you know, flared up, whatever you want to call it. But for Matherin, he needs more shot attempts. It just plain and simple. Buddy, who was on the bench, still ends up getting up 16 shots. Uh, against the Hawks in 29 minutes, Matherin just four and 24. It, it's it's he's too good to just be like an afterthought or not even the fifth option in the starting lineup. But it felt like he was like you know the ninth option uh, in that game against the Hawks. So I yeah. want to see more. But I mean, obviously without and I know we're going to get to Jordan Award, but this game against the Hawks, I mean, Okongwu last time had 20 rebounds. <laughs> Uh, Clint Capella had 17 rebounds in this game, which was more yeah. than the whole Pacers starting lineup combined and some Hawks end up getting the free throw line. It's just like, you're not going to win in the NBA when you're getting crushed on the glass, giving up 140 plus points in any game. It's just not going to happen. But the Pacers, these are two of the, I don't want to say they were tough to watch because there was moments, but this end of the season is just like, oh, like we we weren't meant for the play-in game. Like, imagine trying to push forward in the play-in and then your prize is facing the Bucks in the first round. Like, it, it's just games mm-hmm. like these are, are just a, a sign to say we're not ready yet, but there are some bright spots. And one of those, if we're talking about that Hawks game, Jordan Awara. Alex, I got to say right now, the episode that we had just recorded before, you said the exact words were, wow, you're pretty high on Awara, aren't you? Yes, I am. Because <laughs> that man was unbelievable against the Hawks. The 25 points in the second quarter, most ever in a regular season quarter for the Pacers. Crazy. Obviously, Reggie had 25 in the fourth and in 94 against the Knicks in the playoffs. But Renoir finishes the game with 33 points, which I was a little surprised to say that's not a career high. He actually had 34 before, but 12 of 17 shooting. Four of seven from three. Alex, what were your thoughts on his uh, breakout game as a Pacer? It was really fun to see, Fachi. I mean, anytime a guy puts a 25 and a quarter, like, you're glued to your television. Yes. I tweeted, you know, somebody called the Atlanta Fire Department because Jordan Moore is on fire, you know. And he can be he can be stopped. So that's one of those things that I like about his game is he's got that ability to be that microwave scorer off of the bench. And he didn't really get a lot of that opportunity in Milwaukee. We're playing a lot yeah. faster pace here. So I truly believe, like, you know, there's reasons to be intrigued by him, you know. The defense still is terrible <laughs> yeah. all across the board. So yes. it doesn't really, you know, matter. But I I mean it does matter, but it doesn't. But I mean, 
what he did in that game, Fachi, I mean, that was really cool for him. Anytime you're in the same category with Reggie Miller for history and Pacers franchise history, then that's a pretty special moment. So it's going to be random if he's not here very long and like that is just thrown out there. But scoring has become ridiculous in the NBA recently. So the fact that Reggie still holds the record, I guess, at 25 points in a quarter, like it's it's pretty impressive to get that many, but I'm I'm sure Tyrese will have 27 or 30 at one point in a quarter, just Maybe. knowing just knowing how how things are going with the way scoring's going. Maybe Matherin, he's already had a couple of quarters where you had 20 off the bench, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I mean, it, it's not like it's like super shocking, but you know, Jordan Wara, he's a position of need. Good three-point shooter. I mean, I understand why you like him. Only reason I wasn't as high on him is because of the the contract. Yeah. But if we're not, if we're looking contract aside, I think you can probably say this season what he's done in his little amount of time for the Pacers has probably been more impressive than what we've seen from Chris Duarte all year long. I, without a doubt, I mean, when you look at Duarte on the year, you're talking about a couple of games that have been like impressive. Jordan Awara has pretty much only impressed. I mean, first couple of games were all right, feeling it out, and then he's gone on a run. So when he had 25 in the second, obviously your mind goes wild and you start thinking, well, could this be like a 40 piece, a 50 burger, anything of the sort? Um, obviously, he ends with 33. I, truthfully, and this is just me. I would have liked to have seen him in the lineup to open the third quarter just to keep that that heat check going. But obviously, just eight points in the second half. Um, hit a late and one at the, at the end of the fourth quarter to kind of you know pad the stats a little bit. But um, I, I love what I've seen from him. And for a guy like Duarte, who you mentioned, I mean, for him to come back and go down, it just doesn't make sense to even throw him out there again. So... That might be one less guy, uh, and then hopefully this this just kind of continues to open up minutes for Nawara, continues to open up some minutes for O'Shea. And uh, other than that, I mean, the Hawks game, Trey Young gets tossed out. You'd think that's maybe going to make a difference. Hawks scored at least 33 points in every quarter. It made, made no difference in the second half. I mean, they, they pushed forward, and uh, I was fine with it. I, I really was because, <laughs> look, that that's a game where we're looking at the standings. I can't help – but standing watch, I'm one of those guys right now where I'm checking in on, on what the rest of the league is doing. And at this point, there is uh, no good opportunity to snag a win. And now that the Pacers are distancing themselves from Chicago, who's been scorching hot, I'm all right with these losses because I'd rather do this than be one win away from the play-in or one loss away from picking sixth. That's how close things were getting. Yeah, I mean, it's tight right now between Indiana, Washington, and Orlando, surprisingly, Fudge. Both Indiana and Washington have the same record at 33 and 42. Mm-hmm. Orlando is 32 and 43 now. What's interesting is I forget what the tweet was, but it said something like Orlando since the All-Star break has been this, and it's like above 500, I believe. Mm-hmm. Paolo tweeted that and said, Oh, I thought we were supposed to be tanking, LOL. And so that to me is saying... I like the sound of that. The Magic don't seem to sound like they're tanking. And if the Pacers lose every game for the rest of the season, well, there's one that's really important. The Magic and the Wizards play each yes, other it one is. more time on this Friday, uh, the 31st of March. So that game could be very impactful to what happens because I, I want to say that we... Did we split with Orlando when we played uh, them? I 
believe we did. I, I want to say they're up to one. I could be wrong. Though. Okay. Even if not, they have I'll the Pistons it. as well right after that game on Sunday. So they could win two in a row and have a, have one more win than us, which would be fantastic, which would mean that we would be looking at probably the seven or six spot instead of the eight spot where we're currently at in the league. So don't anticipate anything changing with the Portland Trailblazers, but very similar to the to the well, they have the same record as us too, Fachi. Portland is thirty three and forty two as well. So really, if we can just get Portland to win one game and we lose out, and you know Orlando and Washington battle it out, there's a good chance that we could have the fifth or sixth odds again uh, to get a top pick. So that to me is like big picture ahead. You just got to lose out. We do have to lose out, and I'm looking at it right now. We're actually we won the series three to one against okay. Orlando. Um, yeah, in that situation, one. I know you got that wizard schedule magnet on the fridge. Saw <laughs> oh, that. Nice. Um, but yeah, here's the thing: it's coming down to the nitty gritty right now, and and I never thought we could potentially catch the magic. I didn't yeah. think so. A, a little while ago, I want to say we were three games. Uh, you know, it was three game separation, but Portland. I mean, it looks like they're shutting their players down. I mean, we spoke about it. It looks like that's where they're going. Some people don't even know if we'll see Damian Lillard play again against them. But there are opportunities where some teams have to get a win, you know, yeah. to, to be able to impact where we're going to pick. So I love where we're at. Now three and a half games behind the Bulls So uh, for 10. So that looks like even talking about the play-in is over because I don't expect us to go on on a run but all of a sudden, that fifth worst record spot, it's up for grabs. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. That seems to be where we're potentially picking at. And, you know, I'm, I'm very interested. The last part on that, that I want to say is it's official. The Cleveland Cavaliers have oh, clinched yeah. their playoff spot. We will not be running into what we did last year where it seemed like a, a done deal. And it, it's, it's looking good. And you know what? That pick is starting to get a little bit better. It's hovering around 25th. <laughs> Overall, I seemed like it was going to be 26. We'll see what happens, but it, it's a uh, it, if your team draft instead of team tank, we'll say team draft. Things are looking good for us. No, I, I completely agree. And you know, we talked about it last week when we looked at the Trailblazer schedule because they do still have that game with San Antonio to kind yep. of close the end of the year. Uh, but they actually won Wednesday too against the Utah Jazz. So I mean, they're trying to lose games, but. You know, Shaden Sharp is kind of going off here, Fodge. Yeah, so yep, he's starting to. He's you know, he's playing pretty well. Him. He had twenty four points, nine rebounds, three assists in that game. So, you know, Dame Lillard played in that one as well. So I'm sure that they're winding things down, and they've got the Pelicans and the Kings twice. They're they're got a final home stretch here before they're on the road to kind of close out the year. Before their last five are on the road, so we'll see what happens with the Trailblazers. But yeah, for your Pacers, obviously, I mean, it's just. It's just a, a pretty tough schedule if you look at the remaining games, but it is. There Detroit. are some winnable. Yeah, that's know. the only one that feels yep. winnable, which Agreed. we talked about multiple times. So we don't want to kill that. But um, I, I do want to transition here a little bit, Fachi, because we talked about Ben Matherin earlier going in the starting lineup. And one of the things that's been a very hot talking point across the NBA land is the rookie of the year race. And so I was like, okay, I'm just kind of curious how this is all played out. So every week we see the NBA rookie ladder get posted by the NBA webpage uh, on Twitter. So the NBA uh, page, or I guess you could say account, NBA account on Twitter. 
And so there's only been one person, I think, through 24 weeks that has been on there every time, and that's Paulo Boncaro. Fachi, he's been number one for 19 weeks of the 24. He was number two for three weeks, and that was during the October run when he was out with the injury and Matherin was playing really well. And then he was number three for two weeks because Jaden Ivey had jumped him during that stretch. Since then, he's been number one, and no one's even passed him, not even the names we've been hearing recently. So I feel like there's been this random push by a lot of people that are saying, Jalen Williams, the forward out of OKC, he's got a legit chance to win Rookie of the Year. And I'm sorry, but even if we're not talking about Ben Matherin here, like Paulo Boncaro has been the favorite for 19 weeks. Jalen Williams has recently just creeped into number two for three weeks. But for the most part, he's been kind of hit or miss in this entire thing, Fachi. Uh, he's been number three for four weeks and number two for three weeks. So he's only been a part of the 24 weeks of uh, the rookie ladder, only in the top three, seven times. So I feel like the recency bias of the end of the season happening has almost played too much of a factor in people saying, oh, I think he's the rookie of the year because, you know, if this was the award for rookie after the all-star break, okay, maybe he has more of a case. But I think that October, November, December, January, those four months, a lot of games are played. I think those should matter. They absolutely should. This is the classic. Like I feel like Scotty Barnes got a really big push, you know, last year towards the end where, you know, people like to see more of like a recency thing of like, hey, you know what? Well, Jalen Williams, look, Jalen Williams has been rock solid throughout the year. Uh, I think he's definitely, you know, upped them looking at it month by month. He's he has upped his scoring average at least you know every month and the field goal percentage has remained solidly you know fifty percent or higher. I think part of it is that OKC is winning games, and I and I think that that that's why people are maybe taking more you know paying more attention to it as hey wow OKC they could be they could be a playoff team but rookie of the year no I'm sorry look this is where I'm not going to be biased look it's not Benedict Matherin Matherin's been good it's Paulo Paulo by far, is the rookie of the year. And I know that Orlando doesn't have the wins to really say, well, is his play contributing to, to wins? That man is the runaway rookie of the year. Jalen Williams has had a good rookie year. You'll see him on the all-rookie first team, but you will not see him hoisting up that rookie of the year trophy at the end of the year. No, and I and I feel like while Matherin's maybe taking a little bit of a backseat the last couple of months, whatever, for 19 weeks... He was either number one or number two. Yes. He was number two for literally 16 weeks. I mean, it was Matherin versus Boncaro for the longest stretch of time, Fodge. And we're like, is anybody going to join these guys? Because, you know, early in the year, it was like Jaden Ivey. He had kind of stepped up there. And then we would see, oh, you know, Jabari Smith had a good week. Oh, he's kind of jumped up. Oh, Keegan Murray, he's done pretty well. Uh, Walker Kessler, he's been, you know, oh, this great steal for Utah. And then... You know, Jalen Williams, he's having a nice stretch. And now it's like, okay, Matherin's kind of fallen out of the top three. And we're looking at Kessler and Williams. And while they might be better right now, and, and maybe they're being more magnified because they're on playoff teams, I think you have to put into account that, one, Matherin was thrust into a different role whenever Halliburton went down with the injury. He was starting games. They were not having the same type of, you know, success in terms of, how their offense was ran. I think he still was pretty efficient at the free throw line, stuff like that. Like 
just looking at free throws attempted here, Fachi, I mean, 396 for Benedict Matherin, 497 for Paolo Boncaro. Jalen Williams is at 172. You know, this is a big difference. You look at field goals attempted, Matherin, 851. Jalen Williams, 713. Jabari Smith, 803. I mean, he's going to up a lot of shots. The crazy thing is the minutes here, Fachi, because Jalen Williams, Jabari Smith, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, and Paulo Boncaro all have over 2,000 minutes logged. Matherin's still at 1968. So he's not even crossed the 2,000 mark that some of these other guys have. And they're just playing a little bit more. And I think a lot of it, like we said earlier, is the fact that Carlisle has asked Matherin to do different things than he was. Because if Matherin was purely just scoring, I think that we would see a higher jump in probably minutes and numbers. Uh, Absolutely. I think we all kind of feel like Matherin hasn't really been fully unleashed in a while. I think that when it comes to scorers, could very well be the best scorer out of the group. I think Ben Carroll might be, a, you know, more, you know, I don't want to say gifted offensive player, but he he probably is. Look, he's a, he's a stud. He will be a multi-time all-star. The rest of the guys, I feel like when you think of like a Walker Kessler and all that, he brings good stuff to the table. Really good shot blocker, good rebounder. His offensive game, you know, it's, it's developing. Jalen Williams, all-around good player. But I feel like Matherin, if you really need, you could unleash him, and say, go get me 30, go get me 20-plus, I think he could do that all the time. And just to kind of back up, while I feel like he has taken a little bit of a backseat, saw a great stat on his usage rate, and that his highest usage rate all season was in the month of October. It was 28.2. His second highest usage rate was in the month of November, 26.6. Then he took a dip in December down 24.4, back up in January, 26.1. And then ever since then, in February and March, his usage rate has very much gone down. While I feel like a Jalen Williams, a Walker Kessler, their usage rate has gone up the last few months, which definitely feels like some recency bias because, to your point, this was a two-man race for 75% of the season, I would say. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's, and it's difficult because I'm not trying to discredit anybody, and that's the big problem that we get here. Benedict Matherin, he's played in 71 games, okay? Jalen Williams played in 69. So they've played a lot of games, you know, in different ways. Now, when you look at offensive and defensive rating, it does matter a little bit. And unfortunately, Matherin's a minus 3.6 in his net rating throughout the 71 games this year. But Jalen Williams is a minus 0.8. So it's not like his are great. Andrew Nimhard's a minus 5.7. Paulo is a minus 4.4. I don't really think that net ratings matters that much here because it matters, you know, how the team does with the other four players as well. Beyond so, so, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. But for the most part, Matherin's numbers are 111.2 on offensive rating and 114.8 defensive rating. The Pacers are not a good defensive team, okay? And I just think if we're trying to really analyze this and be – unbiased Pacer fans, we know that Matherin is not the rookie of the year. You've already stated that. Mm -hmm. I think that we've seen major growth from Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams, Keegan Murray. I think Jabari Smith has stepped up a lot. He he has. He has. Uh, I think Tari Eason's been really good for Houston. He's grown a lot as a player. Same with Shaden Sharp. He's taken steps this year. But even at times this year, you can make the case that Andrew Nimhart had better stretches than Benedict Matherin in terms of how much he impacted the game. I just don't like the fact that when it comes down to all these awards, like especially for the MVP stuff, it's been like way overblown this year, it feels like, more than ever before. 
Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem if you want to say that Joel Embiid's been better than Jokic and stuff like that. But, you know, for like the first five months of the year, everything was Jokic. And then all of a sudden there's this narrative where the Sixers start playing a lot better and Joel's playing out of his mind for like a month and a half. Well, it's like, well, that month and a half just catapulted him over what Jokic did the previous four months. And I think sometimes when it comes to all these awards and stuff, we look at, you know, who's doing the great thing now? Who's been the best now out of the last 10, 15 games, 20 games, whatever it is, and how do their numbers stack up? Personally for me, I just think that it's got to be Paolo first and foremost. Yes. After that, I think Benedict should still probably be number two based on how good he was all season long. And nothing against Jalen or Walker. They might be better players at this point right now in the season. They weren't that they weren't better than him for the first four months of the year. They absolutely were not. I mean, if you look at it in the beginning of the year, just going through Jalen Williams stats, I mean, it, it's it's not even close. I mean, the beginning of the year, he's averaging 10 points per game the first month and like 12 and like 14. I mean, Matherin came out the gates hot, basically averaging around 20 points per game for pretty much the first two months of the season. So he, he had some really big games. I mean, nights where he was dropping, you know, 30, 30 or more. Um, the Pacers were a playoff team for, you know, a, a decent stretch compared to, you know, Walker Kessler, I feel like, came on slow and then all of a sudden it really took off. Jalen Williams just rock steady throughout. But I definitely think that Matherin should be number two, but it, it feels like I, I'd be stunned if he fell below three. That, to me, would be a bit criminal. Yeah, I mean, I think Walker, Walker, Walker Kessler is uh, is getting a lot of love for he what he's done in Utah. I mean, he's been a really good basketball player. Defensively, he's been really solid. I mean, I'm looking right here at Fauci. All the way up to January 31st. This is before February. You know, Benedict Matherin had played the most games out of any rookie at that point at 52 games. Oh, I definitely believe that. You couldn't get yeah. this man to not play a game until an ankle injury happened. Right. And what was really interesting here is that his offensive rating was a 110.8 and his defensive rating was a 111.8. So he was only a minus one yeah. in that rating, which is better than what he had been. Uh, Andrew Nimhard was a minus 5.1. Jeremy Sohan, uh, another name that's been put out there for all rookie team, minus eight. Jalen Williams, the guy that's taken this big jump, he was a minus 2.9 at this point. Jabari Smith, minus 10.6. Jaden Ivey, minus 12.2. Paula Boncaro, minus 4.5. The only two that were really positive were Walker Kessler and Keegan Murray. And those are guys that were on teams that were, you know, really in the playoff hunt at this point because at this point the Pacers had lost. I think like 10 in a row or whatever it was we lost in a row, Fachi, or like 12 mm-hmm. or 13 or something crazy like that during January when Tyrese was out. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it just everything changed at that point. I'm, I'm trying to be fair here, and I'm not trying to overlook anything, but I, I definitely just think that that matters. And at the end of the day, I think that if we're trying to pick our, our rookie teams, Fachi, there's only 10 of them that can make it. Who do you think makes it for the first and the second team? I think the first team is, and and this would make sense, that the first team should be far easier to determine than the second team because that second team, when I've looked around some random lists, it's like a revolving door at times. But for that first team, just to, you know, if if, if he can be anywhere number one, he's going to be number one on my list, and that's Benedict Matherin. All right, okay. first team, Matherin, Paulo, Jalen Williams, Keegan, Walker Kessler. That's my right. 
that's my all-rookie first team right there. Completely agree with you. Now, second team, I think it does get a little bit more interesting, like you said. I think Jaden Ivey's got to be first on that list. Mm-hmm. I think Jabari Smith has to be on that list. Yep, I agree. Two for two. I think that if we're looking at it, you probably got to put Andrew Nimhart on there. I have Nemhard on mine. Maybe I could be biased, but I feel like people aren't bringing in enough of what he does on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. If you're just going to look at numbers, his numbers might not like leap off the page, but either does the guys that he's with, but mm-hmm. like on the second team. But I also feel like he's had some big games. He's had a game winner. He's had, you know, he, he's dropped 30 points before. He's dropped, you know, around 15 assists, 13 assists, whatever it was. He leads the, this class in 25-point, you know, uh, 10 assist games. And he's a second-round pick, which I feel like should be worth something in saying that this guy has played, like, amongst the best out of his class. Right. No, I agree with that. I'm trying to look at games played here, to be fair. I... I... You know, and I'm, and this is probably me being a little bit biased because you know how much I love this guy, but I think Tari Eason's got to be on this list. And, and I know you got a soft spot for him, and I and I debated it, but what, what's what's tough is like Houston. You wonder in terms of some of those performances or stats, like how much is like I don't want to say winning basketball, which obviously the Pacers are struggling, but I'm good with Jabari Smith Jr. because he's taken that leap. Tari yeah. is definitely on that fringe list. I think. I think Sohan's in over him. I have Sohan on my list. But that would still be the five for me. So so my other was, one? Yeah. Jalen Duran. I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah. I, I think you could go either way but on But see, Jaylen. they're so bad, too. I, I completely agree. But that's the Pistons why are worse than the Rockets. They, they are. They are. But I also feel like Jalen Duran is, is – and they're not really going to factor this in, but he was the youngest player in the draft. He's yeah. still 18 years old. And I honestly, I, I've always been a believer in his. I really think that this man is is going to take off and be real good in the league. But you could go either way, and I couldn't tell you that you're wrong if you have Tarisen on your second team. Yeah, and then another person that I considered, I won't lie, has got to be A.J. Griffin. I think A.J. Griffin for the Hawks has been pretty good too, Fachi. Yeah, he has. He has. It's just, and I don't know what it is, but like every time I see A.J. Griffin – I'm always very thankful that we got Benedict Matherin because I remember <laughs> there was like this time where I was like, what about AJ Griffin? If he falls to the Pacers or like, then we we're like, what about the injury history? I don't know. And I just feel like he's had such like an up and down type of like rookie year where at least Matherin's been like solidly consistent. Yeah, You know, some, sometimes there's been higher highs and the lows really haven't been that low. But when I look around the league at times and you see like, and A.J. Griffin, you're like, oh, okay. And then, like, Shaden Sharp's really coming on now. But I yeah. feel like you, you couldn't really, with confidence, put him on a second team like over, like, a Nemhard, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think the shooting splits are pretty good for A.J. Griffin in his rookie they, they season. Are. Like, 38% from three. He's been 46 points, uh, yep. 46.7 from the field and 90.5 from the free throw line, Fachi. It's definitely the- awesome, but... Is it above yeah. one? Is it like one point one or something like that? You know, free throw attempts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not even very many. <laughs> it's like point <laughs> six. Is that yeah? There, there we go. Yeah, okay. but still, I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, he's, a good, like, he's a good shooter, and and so you know, like you said, it's almost like you could make a third team for this conversation because Mark Williams, I think, has been awesome in Charlotte. He has. And they've actually looked really pretty good since the All-Star break, Fachi. I'm not going to lie. They're locked up in that fourth worst record, and they're not going to be able to, like, catch 
you know, the third worst team and they're not going to be able to be caught by like the fifth worst team. So that's why it's not surprising to see them play better and, and play a little bit more looser because they really have nothing to lose here. But I think that we're on the right path here for the top 10. I mean, I, I personally just think you have to look at the minutes played, the games played. I think all that matters. I think games started matters somewhat, but not totally. Yeah, I get it. I just think, have they been durable? Have they helped their team? How atrocious are they, you know, like plus minus wise? I, I think that mm-hmm. is a somewhat important thing, but not really, because you expect rookies to have rough stretches. Yes. I think just the minutes played is big as well. I mean, for crying out loud, I didn't know this because I haven't paid too much attention to the Utah Jazz this year, but Walker Kessler only averaging 22.8 uh, minutes a game is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I think in the beginning of the year, they were in that awkward, like, they got off to a hot start, and, you know, I think they were winning games. I've seen his numbers were very low. I mean, through, I want to say, like, October up until December, he was averaging, like, five points, five rebounds. You know, so he's definitely taken on, you know, especially after the trade and, you know, the last couple months. So um, he, he's ramped it up. Well, I feel like other players, like, you know, Matherin, maybe his minutes might have been higher early on and for Nemhard, I, I guess this could work against him is he would actually be the oldest out of the group he is 23 years old a lot mm. of the other guys that are mentioned in there were kind of you know but actually Jalen Williams I think is right around that same age yeah uh, he's 21 he the, okay so he's 21 Nemhard's 23 so yeah you know whatever yeah so so since the all-star break Walker Kessler is averaging 29.6 minutes a game same with um same with his rookie classmate, Ochai Akbaji. And then Keegan Murray, 30.6. Jaden Ivey, 33.1. Jabari Smith, 33.2. Jalen Williams, 33.8. And Paulo, 34.1. Benedict Matherin, he falls from the top six, Fachi, to number 12. Just 25 minutes Eesh. a game since the All-Star break. So he's really, I mean, Tari Eason, Sohan, Malachi Branham is playing more minutes a game. Oh, that that's that's tough. Ben yeah. So this has got this has got to change over the last nine games, eight games. What is it now? Seven? I guess seven, seven. games. It was nine when I talked with Tony on Thursday, so I'm like throwing me off here. But that that to me is kind of like you can kind of just see he's taken a little bit of a step back in everything that he's done. And he's only averaging eight field goals, Fachi, since the all-star break. Um shooting 36% from three, which is better than he had been shooting. Yeah. Yeah, but three point five free throw attempts stretches. So that's nice to see. Yeah, but only three point five free throw attempts, and that's pretty low for Mather from what he Definitely. was doing early on. So I, I mean, that to me is enough to say, okay, I have seen that he is taking such a lesser role now because of you know um, how they're wanting to utilize the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. No, it it definitely makes sense. And actually, I'm looking at this right now and. Uh, yeah, there's. It's almost been like month over month from at least January on. We're seeing his minutes decrease by about two or three each month. So that's definitely tough to see. And I, I, I think we all wish we would have seen a little bit more Matherin. You know, whether it's in the starting lineup, whether it's just more minutes, whether it's just more shot attempts, anything of the sort. But for the remaining seven games, if, if that ankle holds up well and, and he's good to go, that's definitely what we would love to see is more of a healthy dose. So. Uh, I'm excited for it. I don't think there. I think that he's an absolute lock for the first team, though. It's Nemhard that I, I feel like 
you could pull 10 people and five of them could probably put them on the list and five of them could leave them off. It's that close. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that might save him is that game winner he had against the Lakers because people, people remember, remember that. that. Exactly. And the game he had against the Warriors that he went off on. So, yep. you know, it, it's just I, I hate sometimes how we view awards because, like, for us, like, as Pacers fans and people that cover the Pacers for a podcast, we're not watching all these other guys play every night. So no. we're definitely biased towards our guys. Definitely. So we're just making the case for him. That's what I'm all I'm trying to do here tonight, Fachi, is just say, hey, it's part – it's a whole season in totality. It's not just a post All Star break thing because I agree with you. Post All Star break, Ben Mather and his numbers have not looked good. But no, they've not. Pre All Star break, Ben Mather looked like a top two rookie in the NBA. So, what what are we doing here? Does a sixty game sample size is that not big enough, or are we just going to focus on the last 20, 20 games of the year? Not fair. You got to look at the full picture. So, uh, we're, we're just going to have to see. Maybe maybe <laughs> in the last seven games, maybe. You know, maybe Nemar could do something to solidify that, that that second spot. But to our point, hey, it's not based off of just a you know a week or two of good basketball. So we have to leave that into the voters' hands. Absolutely. Well, sorry everybody, we're recording this once again before the game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. It is uh, brought to our attention as we're recording. No Miles Turner, no Tyrese Halliburton, nobody healed, no Chris Duarte. So this Pacers team will be. The Andrew Nimhard, Benedict Matherin show, hopefully, but who knows what's going to happen. But at least we'll get a lot more playing time probably from our younger players to kind of see what they can do tonight, Fudge. Yes, yes, we will. And, uh, you know, while the Mavericks desperately need this win, Alex, I got something to say. I've been waiting for this moment. Only one man predicted the Dallas Mavericks to miss the playoffs this year. And that man was laughed <laughs> off this show, laughed off this show. And people came at me on Twitter, but I predicted the Dallas Mavericks to miss the playoffs. And they currently sit in the 11th spot. And that's even after trading for Kyrie Irving. Alex, I'm not going to make you apologize because it ain't done yet. But man, I don't know if it's so funny now, huh? I only think it's funny because you picked Portland to be above yeah, them because of could, Dame Lillard. Yeah, we're, you could switch it around now. Where's but, Portland at, buddy? Yeah, hey, people didn't care about that. It wasn't like you picked Portland. It was like That's what Mavericks. I cared about. No, you're like the Mavericks. They made the conference finals. Like, what? How do you do that? And other people were texting me, like, that's a crazy pick. Like, I don't know about that. The Mavericks, they just lost back-to-back games to the Hornets. They did. Okay. I, yeah, it's just, hey, it, it's gotten crazy. Hey. I waited for this. I waited. If you, would have pre- if you would have predicted that OKC would be in the playoffs over them and Sacramento, which I, did you pick Sacramento over them at that point? I, I can't remember at this point. I just remember getting a you, lot of heat for the Mavericks. You I got remember a lot of heat. Portland. My, yeah. my most shocking thing was the fact that you said, uh, they lost Jalen Brunson. They're not going to make the playoff. I mean, I'm just worried about them. Their roster's gotten bad. And then like at number 10, you're like, I got the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. You want to know why? Because they got Damian Lillard. I'm like, okay, bro. Dame's not even on the same level as Luka Doncic when they're both of their best. I'm sorry, well, I, but Luka is a I, much I mean, better player. I'm not going to say that he isn't. Dame's a really good player. Guy dropped 71 a couple a couple weeks ago. Like He's good. But the, my issue was that Dallas in the offseason did nothing. They lost Brunson. They added Christian Wood, and they were like, yeah, we're good. And that that was just like, what are you doing? So uh, at this point, look, it's uh, they're obviously the surprising team, but 
Hey, like I said, I I didn't think they got better in the offseason. So. I will just say this. This is my hot take. If they did not make a trade at the deadline, they probably are a few games. They probably have more wins than they do I think so. now. I, I think, think so. adding Kyrie at this point was a risk that made sense. But giving up yeah. a, defense, a defensive player that fit perfectly next to Luka, one of his mm-hmm. best friends, DFS, and then giving up Spencer Dimity, who had been having been a great good. year. Yeah, exactly. For a headache in Kyrie Irving. You mm-hmm. know, you gotta make you gotta make risks sometimes. And I just don't think that was the right one. But let's be honest, they got screwed in that Golden State game, Fachi. So they yeah, probably tough. should be uh in that nine ten spot. But that's that's neither here nor there. We'll see yep. what they do against the Pacers tonight. Enjoy your victory lap before it's all said and done. But we'll come back and visit this. <laughs> After the season to see if well, your prediction was right, Flatching. We'll see. There's still time. I could be wrong. Maybe they go on a run. You never know. But figured while we're on the subject of Pacers versus Mavericks, it was a good time to bring it up. But, hey, they need a win. And you know what? I'm fine giving them one tonight. But uh, <laughs> crazier things could happen because the Pacers beat the Mavericks the last time they played them. So you just never know. They're only three and a half games out of the four spot, and they're currently at 11. <laughs> so <laughs> get excited, Fachi, while you have a chance. But with that being said, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whoever's listening to this podcast, if you have access to YouTube, go to youtube.com slash in the pace of Pacers podcast. Subscribe to our channel. Tell us what you think in the comment section below. We have not put a video up in a hot minute, but we will be changing that. This week, we will have one up for you. Fachi's supposed to be doing a great interview tomorrow. Maybe that'll go up. I'm not sure, but one of them will be up here soon. But if you haven't already subscribed, please do that for us. And subscribe to our Substack page, Set in the Pace podcast.substack.com and become a subscriber to that so we can hook you up with cool giveaways articles and all that kind of stuff as we continue to grow with that sorry it's been a little bit mia the last couple of weeks but Fachi, if you're excited for the future of this indiana pacers team and what this upcoming offseason could look like then hit me with those three words let's go pacers Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Mm-hmm.